all my life, I've been trying to find that, that secret, that thing in me and create it and get it on a record, make a great record so I could transmit that feeling to you. you know? Tokyo tonight. What's Tom, going on, man? Tom, John. Hey, Tom, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. In my dystopia, it remains Christmas. That's the problem. You can't take that tree down now. You know that, right? Ever. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You've had it on way too long. Every every guest has seen it at this point. Yeah. Dion, I have to I have to thank you because I feel like if it wasn't for you, my family would just not have a party or be I'm from Brooklyn. And I swear to God, if the priest doesn't know run around suit, they ain't getting married. You know what I mean? Like, that's the rule. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie, The Commitments? Yes. Yep. One of my favorite scenes in the whole world in a movie is in that movie. Because you got all these Irish kids who think they're black and they want to sing soul music. Right. And the yeah. whole town, everybody's into Wilson Pickett and James Brown and Otis Redding, the whole, including the priests. Right. That's yeah. what reminded me of this. So the kid walks into the confessional and he says, Father, I was with Sharon last night. And Father, I, I couldn't help myself. The song, When a Man Loves a Woman, comes on by Wilson Pickett. And Father, and the priest leans into the, you know, the net and he says, God, <laughs> it's Percy Sledge. <laughs> Percy Sledge. Uh, I remember that scene. Uh, I just fell off the seat. I, I, I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. When you, when you, because I, I've, you know, we were talking about it, and Tom mentioned it before too. Your, your music has been in everything, every, every movie, every, you know, family. But when you see your, your stuff in a movie. Uh, is it, does it blow you away? Are you, are you super happy? Do you know it's coming? I don't know. I, I just, you know, to be honest with you, John, you know, when I was a kid, I, I heard Jimmy Reed. Mm -hmm. I was like 10 years old, 11 years old. I heard Hank Williams and it did something to me, man. I, I I'm like <laughs> the age I'm at now. I'm still the same. What happened to me was it it transported me into like an ecstasy or a, an enchantment or it, it took me outside myself. I, 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 you know, I was used to hearing my parents argue and, you know, yeah, bring about who I was on the streets, you know, <laughs> you know, you're trying to you're trying to get through the maze there, you know figuring out what's life all about, who am I, where are we going, why am I here? And I hear Jimmy Reed and Hank Williams, and it just took me to a place that I could never explain. The, the music went inside me, and I was enthralled. And you want to know, all my life I've been trying to find that, that secret, that thing in me, and create it and get it on a record, make a great record, so I could transmit that feeling to you, you know, get it into right. Yeah. That's all I've been about, like taking people on a trip, and I'm still like that. I, I haven't changed. Right. Uh, I, I'm easy to figure out, and you know. <laughs> that's it. And I got to tell you another thing. I was looking at the beginning of the show. It said, Dyspotia. I think that's what it said, right? Oh, dystopia, dystopia, yeah. yeah. Dystopia, yeah. <laughs> now, what does that mean? Distracted or or all over the place? What it's is basically it's basically like a like a dystopic, like uh, you know, there's just so much going on that's kind of unbelievable. It's a little surreal, you know what I mean? Because when you think about it, the last few years that we've had have been like a dystopia. I feel like a lot of people described it that way, and it's what I was feeling because 
there's so much unbelievable stuff happening at the same time. You know what I mean? I mean, we got, you got the pandemic that we went through, you got, you know, civil unrest and then, you know, uh, science is moving crazy fast and, and everybody's trying to catch up. And then in a dystopia, right? So it, so they say, like, in a dystopian world, everything's just upside down and crazy. So in the middle of the year last year, they said, yeah, we confirmed there's aliens out there. And nobody batted an eye. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody even talked yeah. about it. It just got okay, glanced so over. When I saw the word dystopia, yeah. but I thought, well, I had the right meaning to it anyway. I, th I thought, I'm going to be a boring guest because if you, <laughs> if you unzip my brain and you look inside, You'd see a very peaceful place. I hate to tell you that. I just, it's just very orderly. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know what that is about me, but thank God I'm, I'm like that. Uh, and the, and the, uh, the pandemic with all the horrors, and, and I don't want to minimize that at all. No. Yeah. At all, because I've had a lot of, you know, friends that, uh, that have passed away and, uh, families and just, uh, I mean, you, you know, the horrors. Uh, sure. Absolutely. In spite of all that, I, most of the time for me in the lock, like it focused me so razor shy, kind of got under the wellspring of creativity. And I, I wrote 30 of the best songs I've ever written in my life. Wow. And I don't know if I'm, you know, you mentioned the word uh, reinvent. Uh, I, I don't know if it's so much that, but I was telling you when I was a kid, I got hooked on Jimmy Reed and Hank Williams, and I wanted mm. to write. I wanted to write like Hank Williams and communicate like Hank Williams and groove like Jimmy Reed. Right. I, I just loved. And so what I've been doing is like, uh, I, I'm like I said, I'm still the same. I'm doing this. I started just recording these albums in this in this lockdown and i got it just got blessed with all these songs coming down like downloading them and uh it's it's been a lot of fun for me in a way uh because i had nowhere to go i mean you mm -hmm. know the streets were empty uh people weren't coming out so i was home and uh i i was i just had a, a real good time writing and i don't look at it too much like reinventing myself it's kind of like i'm you know like when you're 10 years old maybe you're like an acorn and then you start growing, <laughs> you become like an oak tree it's the same dna right you know, different sounds that you wouldn't recognize it but it's the same dna i feel like i'm evolving or maturing yeah. or developing and just moving yeah. on you know because i was I was doing this same thing when I was a kid, when I put the Wanderer together or Run Around Sue or Ruby Baby. And mm -hmm. uh, it's just, I started being, I was like kind of a, in, really excited about these songs. I started asking some of my friends to join me just to get some kind of community going. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I tell you, I stepped into a place of beauty that you wouldn't believe. I, recording the last two albums, like, let me give you an example, like Stomping Ground. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I knew some of the guitar players that I, I used on the, some of the songs. I didn't write the songs for them. I just listened to so much music. When I record a song and I'm listening to it after I leave the studio in my truck, I'm thinking, man, I'd love to hear G.E. Smith on this, you know? Right. Or, I'd love to hear Joe Bonamassa. Well, I called up Peter Frampton because he's like underrated guitarist, if I ever heard. Yeah. And he grew up to Rango Janghart. And I, I didn't know him that well. And for instance, I, I became so friendly with this guy is one of the coolest guys on the planet. I, I just love talking to him. And, he, and God, if you listen to the song, what he did with this song, it's just... Talking about enchantment, he lifted me to a higher reality. And and again, Mark Knopfler, here's a guy I never went out for lunch with or talked to. And I, I talked hours with him on the phone. I just he's just a great guy to talk to. Very inventive, very prolific, very imaginative. These guys. Yeah. So I'm so I'm making friends, more friends, 
and we're making music and we're making friends by making the music. It's kind yeah. of uh, yeah. full circle. So I'm having a, uh, what I'm trying to say is I, I use the last two years in a very kind of productive way. And I, I've been kind of blessed in a way because to be honest with you, I couldn't plan it if I tried. Right. It yeah. just kind of, I was just following my nose. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? John? No, I know what you mean though, too. Yeah. And I feel like that's, I mean, you know, like you said, you don't want to minimize what other people have gone through, but I don't think, you know, finding a silver lining in, uh, in anything, especially something as, as, you know, horrible as we all kind of went through is a bad thing. You know what I mean? I think especially creatives, we all found different ways to come out of this either, like you said, evolving with your, with your craft, with your art. Like, I love that you made all these connections because I feel like for outsiders, musicians all know each other. It's the same way what people must feel about comedians. Like we all know each other, but like, I feel the same way. I, I saw this list and I was like, oh, these are his buddies. But it's so cool to know that some of these guys you really didn't know and you made these connections because, you know, you felt inspired to do something new. It's crazy. You know, I, I, I wrote this song called Angel in the Alleyways. Mm -hmm. And I I did a just like a a track of it just with me and the guitar. Mm -hmm. I, I usually finish the whole track. I bring the band in. I want to get the whole track before I send it to somebody. Right. With this song, I felt like almost like a stripped down Hank Williams. You know, I, I was like just sang the song, no vibrato, no I just sang the Five verses. I'm listening to it on the way home. I said, I know. Patty Scalfa, she's like the Jersey soul girl. She has this yeah. very soulful, like, tremolo in her voice. And there's something about her voice that sounds so good with the with mine. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I like a connection. Yeah. I So I send, I, I send her a lot of songs. But I sent her <laughs> this one. And... Uh, she said, oh, I love this. I want to work on it. Yeah, I want, you know, and they were shut down too, Bruce and mm -hmm. Pat. Like, yeah. I think they have a studio there. Um, they do, yeah. So she took it into the studio. This this is funny. I mean, I, I – so she sends it back to me with 64 tracks. Wow. Wow. My whole career is in 64. I <laughs> said <laughs> <laughs> What the hell? I said, so I called Bruce. I said, Bruce, what? And, and Bruce said, you know, Dion, he said, everything you hear on this particular song, this track, is Patty's invention. She produced it. Wow. She told me where to play harp, where to play guitar, where to sing. You know? <laughs> uh, and she, she just produced the whole thing. And when I listened to it and I start putting it together, it was like each verse was produced differently. <laughs> it's five verses, and right. they, they're all something different is on each one of them. And, you know, I, I, I don't know how to say this. I know it's going to sound drippy and kind of... We love drippy here. I, I felt loved. I mean, is that drippy or what? I felt like... <laughs> I felt like they didn't, they didn't phone this in, man. They really put a lot of time behind this. I felt really cared and loved for you know. I, I thought, wow, yeah. these people really, you know, Bruce and Patty really uh, put a lot of themselves into this song. You know, I, I, I just felt grateful. Maybe yeah. a big sense of grateful. But I think they felt what you felt. Like you felt what you put into it. They could feel your energy, and they wanted to match it and come, you know, and and give it what it deserved. So they and went above and beyond, which is incredible, right? Incredible. It just blew me away. Blew me away. It, 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 it's like, um, you know, I'm glad I lived this long because I'm Italian. I grew up in the Bronx with mm -hmm. a mother who said, don't ever ask for help. You don't, ever <laughs> help. You don't want to like ask for anybody's help. You do right. it yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. You mm -hmm. want to be a wimp or a victim or entitled. You do it yourself. You never ask anybody for help. Right. So asked, you know, one time I asked little Stephen a couple of couple of years ago. I said, Stevie, could you help me out with this thing? He said, Dion, I would never barge in on you and ask you because I know how you are. 
You mm-hmm. would ask for help. I'd, I'll be there tomorrow. Wow. And I thought, I, that's why I said I'm glad I lived this long. I, I found out how, like, fulfilling it is to, to, have, to ask for help. Yeah. And, yeah. and be able to receive it. Mm-hmm. Able, you know, to be able to, like, say thank you. <laughs> it's yeah. A, it's a new, uh, you know, it's new for me. Right. And it's a good I feel like it's a good lesson for other artists and stuff like that who are just coming up because you do kind of feel like insular and kind of, so you know, like you got to do things on your own to make it. But I think you make better connections with people because everybody kind of likes to help. You know what I mean? Like for the most part, I think people like to do it. I didn't realize how much and how I didn't get it until this is a whole new experience for me. So. That's beautiful, man. That's why I said I'm glad I lived this long. I would have missed yeah. it. <laughs> I, missed it. I have yeah. a friend. I have a friend who's brilliant. You know, he's a wordsmith. He said, Dion, the last stage of humility is learning how to receive gracefully. Now, he, he doesn't receive because when I try to tell him I love him, he goes, no, nah, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, he's like, he can't receive it. He just, he can't, he can't. So I, I think I'm like stepping into what he meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, the reality of what he meant. And I, I said, I'm experiencing what you said, you know. So I so I've been going around, you know, I try to like tell people what I think. of Man, some people, they just. They yeah. Can't, they can't receive it. Their hand goes up in your face. <laughs> I know. My friends and I, and, the, and we would try to do that early on, you know, as we were like trying to embrace, you know, whatever. But immediately, if we said something nice about each other, we would just immediately knock each other down. <laughs> like it was a, it was a gradual. Be like, dude, you know, you're you, I love, I, just so you know, I love you. I'd be like, you're also a piece of shit sometimes. So just so heads up, just to balance it out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah try yeah, that with him try that with him it might work <laughs> i love you i know you're fat nose bastard <laughs> exactly you have put on weight though just so you know i just want you to know that's great uh you know I, I, we were you're talking about evolving and stuff like that and just kind of like you know uh going in different directions of career because you do have a staying power that i love about you know each and every one of your songs and your albums that have come out because there's a clear difference between like run around Sue and the wanderer and then uh, Abraham Martin and John. And what was the impetus to write something like Abraham Martin and John? Because that, I feel like that was a different version of you. You know what I mean? Like what brought that on? You know, thank you for that question. It really is like, it's really a whole picture I saw when you asked the question. Because, you know, Run Around Sue and The Wanderer were like maybe 61, 60, you know, 61. Mm-hmm. And then like you go up to 69, up, uh, up at the end of 68, you know, Martin Luther King and, and Bobby Kennedy got assassinated. Yeah. And the country was in a very unrestful place. But in between there, I was hanging out in the village, listening to Tim Harden, hanging out with Kenny Rankin, uh, you know, t- uh, John Hammond Jr., one of my wow. best friends, you know, uh, at the Gaslight and, you know, and, and the, uh, the, uh, the Spoonful, the Loving Spoonful had started up and they were working in the village. They, and that, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, all these, uh, you know, Lightning Hopkins, Lightning Hopkins used to come to the Gaslight. And, and then I, you know, I started seeing people picking with their fingers and thumb picks and finger picks. And I went out and bought a set of finger picks and I got a nylon string guitar and I started trying to do this and that. And, you know, at the end of it, like a friend of mine and I put this song together, Abraham Martin and John, and I put an arrangement to it because I had the gut string guitar and I was, I had moved to Florida. I was sitting underneath the tree, you know, in the backyard, mm-hmm. and, uh, just picking on it. And and uh, I found this nice melody, this flowing melody. And I, I, I wanted to, what I wanted to, because it was so frustrating, you know, like, like Bobby Kennedy getting shot down. Yeah. How yeah. senseless is this? And Martin Luther King, you know, mm-hmm. I thought, yeah. 
this is this is just heartbreaking, you know. And I, and I'm watching his father, Martin Luther King's father, on the, on a newscast that very night he was killed. And they said, do you hate this man that shot your son? And do you? And he said, I would never lower myself to hate anybody. He said, right. and he started talking about forgiveness. And my my jaw, I just, my jaw hit my chest. I was like, because I, you know, I'm from the Bronx. I was pissed off. Yeah, yeah. I, hear I was you. like, I'm pissed off. You're not, what's wrong with you? You know, and this guy's talking yeah. about love and forgiveness. Right. And God's mercy. I'm thinking, What's wrong with me? And I, so this all went into the song kind of, I'm thinking there's a state of love that does exist. I wasn't too clear about what it was. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. a state of love that does exist and it's for us to make it real. Okay, now I want to get this song that you can kill the dreamer. I don't care how many you kill. You're not going to kill the dream. We're going to pick up on it and carry it further. You know, so... Uh, that's what I was trying to capture in the song. So I go to New York with the song and uh, I get it with this record company and they give it to a guy named John Abbott from, from uh, uh, Staten Island, <laughs> who was like one of the sweetest guys I've ever met. And, and, and he comes into the studio and he arranges, he gets all these these musicians, French horn, English horn, harps. Wow. Sitars. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, I had this whole thing. We talked it out. We get into the studio and he's leading it. And he, he was a little chubby guy. And he would he had this bag of French fries, long French fries. <laughs> <laughs> and he's leading the band with these French fries, you know. And I <laughs> <laughs> It was such, I mean, it was like a family get-together, but we put the song out like that. He had the arrangement down. I had the gut string guitar. I It was, John, I'll tell you the truth, it was different for me because I never played like that. I was, mm -hmm. you know, I was, like I said, I was hanging out with Kenny Rankin, so I was, or, and Tim Harden. Right. I tried to capture what they were doing, you know. Uh, you know, we would share chords and, you uh, you know, do this this kind of finger picking thing, and I, I put this arrangement together. I'm just creatively, uh, you know, frustrated or uh, uh, schizophrenic, or I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say adaptable. <laughs> There's the positivity right there. <laughs> yeah. So I went from like rocking out to this. Uh, I don't. Again, I want to bring you back to what I originally said. I always wanted to do a great song, take people on a trip mm -hmm. and, and into this place of enchantment. And that was that for yeah. me. I think I captured something. Who knew it was going to be a hit or people were going to embrace it as, as beautifully and as, uh, and, you know, uh, as they did. But, God, I enjoyed doing it. I, I really did. It was good. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm so that was amazing, dude. That's exactly. I, I've asked questions like that of people about their songs before, and sometimes you just don't. They're like, I don't know. But that was. Thank you so much, though. Like, really, that made me so happy that you actually wanted to talk about it. And, I like, and it, I like you know, to talk. You notice? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but really, because it, it is one of my one of my all time favorite songs. I love that song. Always makes me happy when I hear it. Uh, always. Kind of fills me with the joy that you know i i because I, I love the other ones that you've done too but this song in particular i understand exactly what you just said about having meaning to it and wanting to because it all comes across in the lyrics and in the music here's something you don't know in the middle of that song i put uh a kind of some time between john kennedy uh and martin luther king i put, mm -hmm. put a period of and I put some music in there, and it's "Will the Circle Be Unbroken?" Sort of like a, you know, a takeoff on the cir "Will the Circle Be Unbroken?" by right. in the sky, and we use the sitar. And the reason why I did that is the song "I'm Picking Up Good Vibrations" was out, and they had like a, a, a kind of an instrumental like interlude in it, you know. And mm. I thought that would be cool, you know, just. 
I'm not saying I copied anything, but the, the things right. inspire you. So I oh, yeah. picked up yeah. on that and said, maybe we could put something like a little space in here that's meaningful. And uh, so I put that in the middle of it. People, I don't think, ever thought about it, but that's what I was thinking when I did it. Wow. I love that, though. I like that you you because it's always cool to hear what other artists inspired the artists that you like, because everybody, you know, we all know the Beach Boys, but I don't think you think like, oh, did Dion listen to the Beach Boys? You know what I mean? Or or is Dion a fan of Brian Wilson or any of the guys that you've had like on this album? Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a music like a, a music lover. I like, you know, that's why. Like with the last two albums, Blues with Friends and Stomping Ground, like I said, I wrote. 30 great songs mm -hmm. I'm listening to them after I leave the studio and I'm in the truck <clears throat> it's funny I I listen to so much music because I love it especially mm -hmm. you know I, I love guitars yeah. I, I love guitars and uh not necessarily people with great voices but I love great singers mm -hmm. you know cause, and I consider maybe Bob Dylan a great singer I I even think he's a great blues singer yeah where I'm at, you know, I, I if I have it, you know, anyway, on the way home, I'm listening or driving down the road, listening to these songs. I, you know, like take a song like Dancing Girl. I wrote this song, Dancing Girl. Love that song. And I'm listening to it on the way home. I said, I got to call Mark Knopfler. He's got to <laughs> play on this. I, I hear his guitar. I just, yeah. So, and yeah. That, that's the way it happens. I don't write the song for him, but I, I hear you know, mm -hmm. the, the guitar, you know, their sound. They're very, right. It's, you know, and I, it's amazing how you get one guitar, one amplifier, and you get all these guys to pick that guitar up and they all sound different. It's beyond yeah. how that yeah. happens. It's very, dis they're very distinctive artists. It's crazy. When, how did your music and and uh, and writing kind of change over time? Do you think it changed and evolved over time too? Like how you go about writing a song or putting music to it? I think I, I went. I started going deeper and wider and richer and stories that uh that people get engaged in and want to listen to and and want to listen to again and tell somebody about them. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think I've gotten more into that not that they have to all get tied up neatly i don't like that right much, but uh but i i just been i i think i've i've grown using words i'm like i love words i love right. words and I, I love how they sound coming out of my mouth they, they got to sound right you know you right know? And, yeah. and that's a big part of it you know the the sound of the record not uh specifically what it has to say sometimes you got to change it so it comes out right you know mm -hmm. and uh i i just again I, I don't know what that is i don't know how to like tie it up neatly and explain it but it's it's uh it's just an art form that helped me like get out of myself as a kid and kind of uh transport me to uh a place of safety, uh, uh, a, a place like ecstasy is like ex the word ecstasy. Like it means maybe standing outside of yourself, you know, like a, right. yeah. a place of refreshment and safety and peace and calm and beauty and transcendence, you know. And I, I, um, I music has always done that for me. And if I didn't have it. I probably would have wound in all of us probably if we if you didn't have yeah. laughter, forget about it. I mean, right, comedian, yeah. if you didn't have laughter, you'd just wind in and just explode. Oh yeah, absolutely. You would have no way to get out of it, you know. Right. So that's the beauty of what we do, and especially you probably experienced that in the last two years. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like you have a connection with your fans too, because the, the other thing is too, like again, like how your music has changed and how you developed as an artist. Um, your fans have stayed with you, and I feel like there hasn't been a lot of because I, I remember reading a story about Ricky Nelson um, when he did uh, when he was kind of changing his music. You know what I mean? And people did not go with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he had a bit of a rough patch. That's what that song "Garden Party" you know is about. 
Yeah, well, you know. But what what do you think is the connection between you and your fans where they were like, I I love that, you know, whatever he sings, I'm going to take in. I'll tell you, I learned something just by going to a Chuck Berry show. Mm-hmm. I go to, when Chuck Berry was, I'd go to a Chuck Berry show. I mean, you know, in the last 10 years, uh, you know, he passed recently, but, you know, I'd go and I'd still want to hear Johnny be good. Yeah. I'd still want to hear, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I to hear Chuck Berry. So, right. so now Van Morrison, who's like one of my closest friends, I love Van. Oh, no way. I love Van Morrison. But, you know, like Van Morrison in my house, mm-hmm. that you can't get higher than that. Right. That, that's like the ultimate. Okay. You know, my wife has 10 Van Morrison albums in the car. She's like, <laughs> Don't t- talk to me about, you know. So, <laughs> like, I did a song on Blues with Friends with Van Morrison. I'm mm-hmm. I'm good for the next 20 years. That That's 20 years out of the doghouse. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on the new one, I sang with Boz Skaggs. Right. Double whammy, because she wore out Silk Degrees. So between <laughs> Boz Skaggs and Van Morrison. But Van Morrison puts out a new album. And I, I don't know the words, but it, I, I'm going to give you the idea. And I got to call him and ask him about it. But he's saying, like, don't look at what I've done. Don't look. I don't want to hear about Brown Eyed Girl, Astro Weeks. I, I, look at who I am now. And, right. and nobody bought the record. Wow. You know what I mean? So I'm saying that it's like painting the Mona Lisa and telling, telling the people that love your work, don't look at the Mona Lisa. No more. I don't want you looking at the Mona Lisa. Don't right. bother. Don't connect me with that. Right. Me yeah. do it. it it's, it's like stepping on golden memories. It's like, yeah. It's step, you can't, you cannot do it. I, I get what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I sang a song called Teenager in Love when I was 17, you know. I put yeah. my whole, <laughs> and I, I wouldn't even write a song like that when I was 17. An old guy had to write that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't that that stuff wouldn't come out of my mouth. You know, <laughs> here I am stuck with teenager, but I'm telling you, the audiences that 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 come to see my show, somewhere there's a group of people out there that that song is like a tender, very tender, beautiful place in their heart and their yeah. mind and in their memory. I'm not gonna step on that for nothing, you know. Yeah. I don't yep. so I just I just roll with it. I just, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't, <laughs> I was talking to Van Morrison. He's, this is funny, man. He says to me, you like people, huh? I was, <laughs> he, says, he says, you like people. I said, yeah, on the most part. Yeah. 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 I, I like people. Mm-hmm. I said, I've, I've kind of learned not to be, um, threatened by them emotionally or a uh, fear of, of, of people, you know, and all, all that. I, I've kind of came through. Yeah. I, I like people. And he said, he said, I don't, I said, <laughs> I said, that's okay. If you're anti-Semitic or you don't like this group, <laughs> but if you don't like people, <laughs> <laughs> you're good to go right yeah that's true if you like if you dislike everyone evenly yeah. nobody bugs you that's right it's, yeah. I, him, I roll with that. him and John would definitely get along yeah <laughs> we would that's exactly kind of the way I feel I'm like I could go without you a know, the other, you know Van is just great to hang out with he's, he's just mesmerizing to talk he's, he's just funny and 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 I don't know, you know, he just he just throws you these uh, curveballs once in a while, you know. Yeah, yeah. He he's a, I mean, I, I love his music too. Like "Into the Mystic" is probably one of my favorite songs too. Uh, I, I mean, and it's not you know, it's crazy. It's one of those things where like you'll play it, and if somebody's never heard of it before, they're like, "Is this new? Where did it come from?" I'm like, "Is it new?" <laughs> but no. Like, now, I was talking about transcendent. Yeah. Or getting uh, or lifted to a higher reality. There you go. With that, yep. that that 
that proves my point. Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. does take you. To, there's, there's like literally my friends and I'll go away uh, in in you know in the in the summer or whatever. We all kind of get together, everybody you know, and we go out into the Poconos. We'll go in the woods or whatever. And I swear to God, we have a playlist. I'll put on. Uh, um, uh, Abraham Martin and John is on there. Van Morrison's on there. And when you're sitting in a hammock and all that music is playing and you're in the woods, you can't beat it. It, it takes you to another place. That's good. Yeah, I hear you. I hear yeah. you. That is, that's the beauty of music, right? I feel like especially some of your hits, to me, will always, like, they'll come on and it'll bring you to a moment in time. It, like, it's like smell. When you smell something and it brings you, it brings you someplace else. And yeah. I feel like you've been able to do that on so many levels to so many people. I feel like you've truly influenced. I, I could only imagine the amount of musicians you've influenced. I was going to ask that when I was looking at the album, did they approach you to collaborate or did you approach them? But it was in your, in your head that you reached out for them. No, I reached out for all of them. Uh, nobody was calling, you know, they, they, yeah. they none of these guys are pushy or, <laughs> or, that excited, or, or you know, jumping in on something they they don't understand. Yeah. On on all these songs, I sent them a track that was finished. So, mm -hmm. so and I even put in the letter, or you know, I would tell them if it doesn't resonate with you, you don't give it another thought. But I'll tell you, maybe I got one guy who was busy, but that was it. You know, most of them, uh, I was right on the money with it. You know, even mm -hmm. Ricky Lee Jones, who who would have thought that she would have. Uh, you know, she was like, oh, I danced in the kitchen with my sister and my mother to run around Sue in the water. I'm, I'm bad in five minutes. You know, I thought, yeah. wow. I thought, man, I hit the, I hit the now, blotter. When, when you make an album like this and you do something like that, how, how long in between do you feel like you need to keep creating and keep making another thing? Is your mind already like, all right, what's next? You want to know, I, I don't think like that. I really don't. I get motivated if somebody like uh, kind of, you know, pokes me a little sometimes, you know, like, like you know, like Dave Marsh was was telling my wife, she said, you know, he said, you know, Dion, he, well, he's telling both of us. He said, mm -hmm. he said, your husband is the only guy from the 50s who has stayed creative and relevant. So I started arguing with him. I started mentioning people. He said, no, no, no. He shot it all down. He said, see what I mean? You're the only guy who has stayed creative and relevant. Wow. So he proves it to me. I hang up and my wife looks at me and she says, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I, it, you know what I mean? I get like, oh, I challenge, you know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh because I'm competitive too, I'm like that. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> where did the because you got the play coming out of the paper mill, The Wanderer? Where? How did that come about? Was that your idea? You wanted to do something like that, or did somebody approach you? You know, I have a friend in New York. His name is Charles Messina. He's a playwright. Great, you know, New York grown, you know, and he's done all yeah. these uh, off Broadway shows. I've always liked what he's done, you know. Uh, and I and he's a rhythm writer, and I'm a rhythm singer. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. We kind of get along, and we kind of in rhythm or something. I don't know. So we'd go out to you know the like uh, breakfast and hang out and walk the streets. And I never seen him with a, you know, writing anything down or typing anything. But one day he comes to me with the script. He says, "You know, uh, you got a pretty interesting." You know, I'm talking to him like I'm talking to you. And he, yeah. It's all these pieces together, and he says, "You got a pretty interesting story here." And he he kind of lays it out for me, and he says, "I'd like to try something with it." I said, "Go." So you know, and and it was full of like uh, early street rock and roll history. It was full of the gangs, you know, the Fordham Baldies and the Harlem Red Wings. When I was a yeah. kid, I, I was in a gang, and action and then romance i met my wife she she was from vermont i met her when i was 16 wow she was like wow. 15 years old she came and i'm still married to this woman wow wow congratulations that's incredible you talk about that's my patience and tolerance you know <laughs> <laughs> 
I know, yeah. I was like, is she there? <laughs> or is she just listening to Van Morrison right now? And you're like, patience and tolerance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. You've got control over the volume. Yeah, she's, she puts up with me. So anyway, <laughs> uh, but, you know, and it has a lot of laughs and it has a lot of betrayal and overcoming. And and the music, the way he put the music in the show is this, it's not chronological. Like it opens... You know, he might have like King in the New York streets at the beginning of it. I don't know, but right. yeah. it, it it works with the way the, the play unfolds. Like each song pushes the play like a, a foot or a day, you know, it 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 propels it along. Next, yeah. I don't know how he did it, but it's it has a lot of if you give me something something of substance, you can entertain me all day long. So, because to me, there's a big difference, like, into the mystic. There's a big difference in being entertained and an emotional experience. Yes, into absolutely. Into the mystic is an emotional experience. 100% agree. That sweet thing. It, it's it's kind of funny, too, because I love that. Like, everybody loves, it's like, uh, it's like fast food, where sometimes you want a real burger or steak. And then every now and again, you're like, I kind of want garbage. I'm going to have McDonald's. But you enjoy it. But it's the difference between like you know everybody loves the pop stuff and stuff to dance to yeah yeah you got to have stuff that hits your soul too yeah well that's what he did he it's uh, it's in a very entertaining way and the people in it uh, Joey McIntyre from New Kids on the on the Block uh, and Christy Altamaya who was the lead in Fantasia uh, Anastasia sorry Uh, uh, and what was it? Fantasia? I don't know. Forget the. the I think play. Fantasia is the Disney one. Anastasia is the year. I think you're thinking of Anastasia. Well, Anastasia. And uh, sorry, I'm getting like uh, it's an age thing. They're both <laughs> the same man. It's, it's very close. So it's <laughs> you weren't that far off. <laughs> and then, uh, Michael Wartella was in uh, Chocolate Factory and, uh, mm. and a, a few of the other things. Uh, what was the other one? I, I can't. I'm, I'm not. Too much on uh, Broadway, but uh, yeah. I get the plays. Uh, he he's been he's been in a lot of shows. He, he's he this kid man, he's really good. He's they amaze me, right? They're really so, you know they got uh, and and we have a lot of fun. We we have a lot of fun getting together and uh, uh, and they it's. It's it's a trip, man. I, I like I said, if I knew Broadway was this much fun, I probably would have gotten involved in it uh, early on because I was kind of a prude. You know, I want to be in a rock and roll club. I don't want to go to a Broadway show. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to a blues club. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, uh, but but there is a place where it uh, it can. Uh, it's a, it's a great expression, you know. Mm-hmm. If yeah, it's, if it's done right, you know, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's Absolutely. nice, that, but but like you seem to, you know, you're not closed off to other forms of art, though. And I think that's another thing that people can learn from, too, because I even today I meet people who are just like, I only do this. And it's like, yeah, but then you're never going to know what else you can do. You got I, open to me to stay open is a big thing. It's like it's a to me, that's an important word. I mean, you don't have to. You, you know what I mean? We yeah. We have our point of view, but yeah, why not stay open? There's so much, uh, like, uh, comedy without comedy, man. You know, there's a Bible verse that says that laughter is like medicine for the bones. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think of where that's at, right? You know, yeah. I, I, we, you know, I was in a gang when I was a kid, and we had this one friend, we used to call him Shakespeare. <laughs> Because he used to say, to be or not to be, <laughs> my apartment. <laughs> you know, so it started back then, you know? Yeah. yeah. You've lived your... so many, oh, sorry, yeah. I was going to say, no, no, you've no, lived so many lifetimes. So, like, from being like a, like a street kid and running around before you, how did you make that transition into music? You know, like I said, you know, I heard Hank Williams and Jimmy Reed. And it did something to my soul. And then the first time I went down to the Apollo Theater, come on. 
Yeah. I yeah. saw, you know, Big Al Sears walked into the middle of the stage with a white suit on and a horn, white shoes. And it was like, one, two, three, bang. I said, what the hell is going on here, man? I ran home. I wanted to buy a sax. Wow. I didn't know where to go, but I started getting the guys on the street, on the stoop. I said, do this. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did in the Wanderer. If you listen, yeah. you hear yeah. it's like a, it's like I used to give the group horn parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow theater. It it just was fun to me. It was like, it was like algebra and sounds, or or you know, uh, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. When you you, you, are you you're a fan as a fan of Hank Williams. Did you see the Hank Williams movie when it came out? Yeah. yeah what yeah. do you think of it? Because I don't know. I don't know his, but I feel like you you know him well enough to watch something like that and be like, eh, they didn't get it right. <laughs> well, you know, they get the story right. I don't know if everybody was, you know, if it, you know, maybe if Corsese did it, you know, it would have been. Yeah. It would have had some uh, gravitas to it because he was really an important character, right? They yeah. call him the shake, the hillbilly Shakespeare or something. You know, mm-hmm. he he was he was incredible. He had one album that was called Luke the Drifter, and he did all these recitations. And I actually learned how to live listening to this guy uh, talk about stories about. Uh, just different scenarios of, of like people who were depressed and, and racism. It's all in the stories. I'm telling you, even back then, because I wasn't hearing it on the streets of New York to me, you know, guys going, Oh, wait, Joey. (laughs) (laughs) I know what that's like. Look, I'm God's gift to the world. (laughs) Okay. What else? You know, what else? You just described my entire family in a nutshell. <laughs> that's it. That's their whole history. Um, then you listen to Hank Williams, and he took me on a trip, man. He took me away from the Bronx, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not that I didn't love my neighborhood. I, I you know, I, 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 no, I hear you. I'm still, I still go up there, and I'm yeah. at Rigoletto's. Uh, you know, my left arm is made out of like, you know, rigatoni bowling eight. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know exactly. Yeah. And, um, it is, it is funny. cheesecake right here you know <laughs> i'm like uh and joe artuzo's bakery shop you know i i, I still know everybody up there we you know I, yeah. hang, I hang there that's that's my stomping ground yes indeed beautiful 180 <laughs> i love that's good promotion <laughs> just uh let you know if you listen to the words of stomping ground i was trying to capture that you know yeah no yeah yeah um it's it's crazy because even I like that music was kind of everybody I feel like has their escape or their gateway out of because you you do love going back to like I, I like going back to Brooklyn and stuff I love you know the memories that I have from there um, but I feel like there's a certain group of people that find an escape and I like that music was basically yours because otherwise you do kind of wind up you know New York can tend to be a time capsule in those suburbs where people stay in the fifties they don't have to leave. You know, but I feel like you you had this other outlet where you were like, no, I kind of want to learn about other singers and other other things going on in the world. John, Tom, you know, when I when I got on my first plane at LaGuardia Airport to go to Chicago Mm -hmm. and I was like, uh, I don't know, 18, 19 years old to meet Buddy Holly and Richie Valance and the big Bob. We're going to start this. Wow. Wow. We go up in the plane, and I'm looking down at, you know, the way it is, Manhattan and the Bronx. Yeah. And 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 my first, my first impression, you know, that people look like ants, and then you pull away, and it's like, wow, is that my neighborhood? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I thought everything was so important on that corner. Yeah. Hey, what are you looking at? You look. <laughs> 
They don't says, yo, what do you, who, what, what do you say? You know, you're right. like, so important. Then you get up there and you go, what the hell's so important about it? You know, there's right. just, you pull away from it and you say, man, there's a whole world out here I don't know about. And uh, yep. it just opens your mind, you know, and you go from there. And, uh, you know, that's the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great analogy too, because I always, if you if you ever like you know listen to uh, any of the astronauts that came back, whenever they talk about, I can't think of the, what the what the term is, but basically when they um, when they leave Earth and they see it from a distance, they get this worldview that again they thought everything revolved. You know, you're in the state you're in, you're in the city you're in, and then all of a sudden, the farther away you get from it, you're like, oh my god, maybe there isn't this much weight to everything I'm putting on. You get a better perspective of it. So the plane leaving the Bronx is a great. Well, you know, the other thing, and I don't know how to mention this because it's kind of a touchy uh, subject. I don't know. Uh, uh, I, you know, I used a lot of drugs in the mid sixties. I was like, kind of, I got into drugs. I got, in, I got lost. You know, I was like, yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't know exactly how to get out of it. So I met a guy. And he takes me to a 12-step spiritual-based program. Mm -hmm. 1968. So I've been clean and sober 54 years. That's, wow. Maybe that's why I'm still here and healthy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So I go to this program, and it's playing into what you're saying about going up in, the, you know, in a, a, a spacecraft. Uh, I met some of the most brilliant guys in the world in that program. We, we used to go out to Howard Johnson's. I mean, mm -hmm. that's how old I am. <laughs> it, it, it discontinued my flavor. Uh. <laughs> you know, it's terrible. And, uh, and my fragrance. I used to wear canoe. I can't find it anywhere. Oh, wow. Oh. It was like a Bronx thing. Yeah. Ooh. Hey, I'm going out on a date tonight. I'm gotta get some canoe. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I go out with these guys to Howard Johnson's and we used to talk and they told me, you know, you gotta find God because you're messed up. You can't you can't uh figure your way out of a paper bag. You you can a broken mind can't fix a broken mind. You better find a power greater than yourself. So they start talking about God. I'm saying you know, I didn't know God from a hole in the wall. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I had no idea what they were talking about. Although when I was a kid, you know, I used to look behind the altar. I used to look up. <laughs> Is he up there? Right. What did he have for breakfast? Is he married? I didn't know. <laughs> so, so I'm sitting there, and I, I said, you know, they said, all things are possible with God. And I said, well, what are you talking about? Could, could you, like, could you define what you what you're talking about? And they got me into this whole thing. They said they mentioned the Rus uh, the Russian astronaut who went up in the like the cosmonaut. Sorry, he yeah. went up into space and he looked out the window. He goes, "I don't see him." <laughs> <laughs> they, said, they said God is in a. This is what they told me, and I bought it because yeah. they said God is in a supreme being within the universe. You're not going to find them and do a scraping and put them underneath the Petri dish and go, oh, we got him. You know, he yeah. said, he's outside of space and time. Mm -hmm. He's not contingent on anything. He's the sheer act of being itself. Like when Moses, you know, when they asked, when Moses asked God, who are you? He said, I am that I am. He's like, it's not that Harriet and uh, Johnny got together and here he was. <laughs> <laughs> so they're telling me about this God that created space and time and the universe and he's outside of space and time he always was always will be and all things are possible with him and i and i was so drugged up and so full of pain that i went okay i believe you and i went home and i got on my knees i said a prayer i said god i don't know what i'm doing you got to help me and here i am like 54 years later i got off my knees and for and I was changed. Something, you know, something yeah. happened to me. So it was yeah. like, it started out, uh, it just was a, a new way of life for me. And I have, I've never looked back. So uh, 
that that's probably why I'm around today. I haven't uh, used or drank in like 54 years. Not that you know, my my wife and I go out to dinner. She has a glass of wine every night. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I right. mean, you're not you're not like binging it. No, you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, of course. I yeah. Just, I just wanted to share that with you. Because, uh, yeah, you you mentioned the universe. I go off on these things. You know what I'm <laughs> that's exactly what we're here for. That was yeah. Great. And that's an inspirational story. I feel like so many people need that because they might be going through that time where they just haven't found it, you know? Yeah. And sometimes music is their God or like there's a lot of different things that people gravitate towards to lose themselves in. And then when they can get recentered, you know, there's so many things possible. Recent is a good because you can't like just use your brain and say, I'm not going to drink any. It's not going to happen. I'm right. not going to yeah. smoke anymore. I'm not going to think of purple elephants, you know? Yeah, no, you're gonna think of a purple. You know what I mean. You can't yeah. do it. So yeah. you, you need some help. You know? Thinking of it right now, purple. As soon as you Absolutely. said it, I was like, boop. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to stop yeah. thinking about purple elephants all day. Like, ah, God, <laughs> I, I like the uh, the story of when the teacher sees this five year old girl drawing, and she says, "Ellen, what are you drawing?" And she says. I'm drawing a picture of God. And she goes, Ellen, no one knows what God looks like. And Ellen goes, well, they'll know as soon as I finish. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kids will give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have an imagination, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's so great. They're definitely the closest ones to it as well, for sure. Yeah. They're not afraid to be wrong. So you could literally, they, they'll, they'll just say anything. Right. You know, Ellen... You can't paint an elephant purple because they're not purple. Yeah. It's only a picture. What do you think? <laughs> I, I feel like kids are, yeah. kids are also the most interesting to talk to because you never, like, like if you talk to an adult, they're always like, my mortgage and the rain. And then if you talk to a kid, they're just like, you know, I ate 18 Cheerios, <laughs> you know, and then watched a bug. And you're like, that sounds great. Sounds like a much better day than the yeah, mortgage. It was a great day. Yeah, give a kid three million dollars in like uh, twenty dollar bills. See see how fast they get bored. With it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. That's true. Yeah, that and, I, the and truth. then hope they give it to you because uh, <laughs> I would love that. Oh my god! I gotta tell you a quick uh, uh, one of the memories because we were talking about memories and music and stuff. And uh, one of the memories I have, my dad loves the song "The Wanderer." And it's just his, it's just his thing. I remember getting in his car, he's always blasting it. So we're, uh, we're driving in Brooklyn and he just did whatever the hell he wanted all the time. Still does at his age, still does whatever the hell he wants, but we're in the car. I'm younger Rocking. and, uh, we pass, he's got the wanderer just blasting, you know, and it's, and he's deaf, like he's deaf anyway. So he's just, it's 10 times. Everybody can hear it from blocks away, but we're driving down. We're looking for a spot. We're going to my aunt's. And he passes it. And I go, oh, you, you missed when you pass it. You're going to have to go back around. He goes, no, I don't. And he just leans back and does like 80 backwards. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> you know, like 12 years old, like hanging off. And the wanderer's just blasting. And the, so that's whenever I hear that song, I just think about, you know, flying down, <laughs> going backwards. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, when I put that song out, you wouldn't believe it. Uh, there was no stereo. It just... Like the the cars and the and and there weren't weren't a lot of stations. There were like two stations that had the top you know twenty or whatever it was, uh, and you know whoever had a convertible or a new car or an old car and all the we didn't have air conditioners in the Bronx. All the windows were open. So when the countdown came and they play the Wanderer or run around Sue, it was just like it, the the whole neighborhood was flooded with the song coming out of the windows and the cars and wow. it was all over the place. So uh, that's the way it was back then in the Bronx. Hey, Fran, your your son's song is on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Did your parents were you were your parents uh, cool with you going into music? Were they kind of worried about you or no, no, they. Uh, no, they encouraged me. You know, they they encouraged me. They, yeah, they uh, they knew I was happy doing it. So they, yeah, definitely encouraged me. Nice. You know. Yeah. Um. So I just want to. It's we're getting close to the hour. I want to thank you for coming on. 
um, because it, it has truly been a blast, man. And uh, and what you were saying before about the dystopia, this is exactly what I wanted this show to be. I wanted it, everything in that intro. I wanted people to leave behind and kind of enjoy uh, a lighter side of everything and kind of enjoy life and stuff. And so you provided that a perfect example of what it should be. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Well, thank you guys. Man. And I've got it. two more questions for you. We ask every guest. Um, one of them is if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self and give yourself a piece of advice that would help you today, what would it be? Oof. That's, I, I don't know, to, to trust like your, your very, uh, you know, the, the very center of yourself to trust it a lot more. You know, Buddy Holly told me when I was a kid, he said, I don't know how to succeed, but I know how to fail. Just try to please everybody. Mm-hmm. You you definitely will fail because people are in your ear all the time with stuff, you know? Yeah. So, and, and you really know what, like you as a committee, you know, what's funny and you know, what's yeah. hard. You, you know, there's a, something in us that knows what's real. Uh, I would say to trust that, you know, nice. That was great. Uh, I love that. Yeah. That was one of my favorite pieces so far. Right? And buy more canoe. You got to tell yourself to buy more canoe. <laughs> Get boxes of it. <laughs> Get boxes of it. Yeah. Get a closet. Put the... Leave it on some shirts that you're going to wear later. <laughs> Don't run it out. Um, and, and the other, <laughs> and the other question is, uh, what had to end in your life, good or bad? that led you to where you are today? What, what was the first part? What had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? What has an end? What had, no, what to, end? had to end? What, what had to end? What had to end? What had to end? Oh my God. <laughs> God, what had to end? Uh, uh, you, know, I, you know, I'm a serious guy. I don't take myself too serious, but I'm a serious guy. But I came to an end of my life on my terms. Mm. I really did. It's almost like my when when I was running my life as a kid. I, I don't know. You know, I'm a kind of a. I was always like a serious kid. I was reading Saint Thomas Aquinas when I was 14, and I was I was looking for God, and I wanted to uh, sing Jimmy Reed music. Right, right. Uh, for the for Italian neighborhood, that's pretty weird. So anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear you, man. In Absolutely. short, when when you don't have when you're not connected, how do you put it? The center when you you're not yeah. the, centered, the, yeah. When you're not centered, what yeah. happens is you try to fill your life. Saint Thomas Aquinas, this is classic Saint Thomas Aquinas. You try to fill your life up with four things: wealth, pleasure, power, and honor. And it, it, you never get filled or it doesn't satisfy the deep longing of your soul until you sent it. Once you sent it, it's kind of like God or, or that peace or that however you want to explain it. I say that God shapes your desire for those things. They're not bad. We're not, we're not Puritans, but. When I, when I wasn't scented, I thought that these things would fill up my life and I'd be happy. And I got them all. I got the wealth and I had like 12 gold records on the wall. I married the girl in my dreams. Uh, as far as having some kind of position and power, I did. I had like, I was in. Yeah. Was yeah. In a contract with Columbia. And I had honor. I had all of it. And I was like, what's wrong? Something's missing. Mm-hmm. And. So once I like found myself or became at, you know at peace with myself, uh, got scented. I found out that life wasn't about me. You know, it was like uh, there was more to it than that, and I I kind of relaxed and uh, I've been I'm I'm a grateful guy. So like I said, I I, I like to think about these things because there was a time I didn't and I got in trouble. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. And you, that's great. You could feel that from you too. You could feel like the gratitude from you for just being, and I think that is one of the things that makes you so like your energy so powerful. As soon as you came, like before we ever started the show, as soon as you came in the room with us, 
I was like, we're going to have a good time. Like you could feel that there was such good energy amongst everybody. So I really, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you being here with me and John and all of our fans. And thank you so much. It was, hey, you got the Bronx, you got Brooklyn, you got Jersey. You want the trifecta here. That's the truth. I know. Now I want a, sa- I, I want a good sandwich, nice Italian bread. That's what I'm thinking. You know what? I got I got one more question for you because we've been asking guests this, and this is a weird one. So brace yourself. If this was a real dystopia, how would you want to go out swinging? Aliens, zombies. Uh, <laughs> what's your What's your scenario? <laughs> I know it's a weird one. I'm telling you, it's a. I'm, I'm going with the angels. Oh, oh, all right. oh I love all it. Right. There you go. I think that was a perfect one. That was a good I'm answer. Riding, I'm riding with the angels. My my money's on them. I think they could, fantastic. They could love it and send the whole dystopia thing. Beautiful, wonderful. That is thank wonderful. you so so much, dude. It has been an absolute blast. Uh, talking yes, to you. beyond a pleasure. Stay well, guys. Love you, you too, man. Keep you rocking. too. Keep rocking. You okay. too, my friend. Thank you so much. Have Take a great care. one. Bye-bye. Dystopia tonight.